there is definitely a culture of smile and nod. Don't complain in the ballet world. Mm-hmm. We're just trained it, whether we're literally told that or subconsciously, you know, we see that that's how you act. Speaking up and expressing yourself is just not a normal thing. Welcome to the Artist Becoming Podcast. Hey, Jess. Hey, Shelby, a five, six, seven, eight. Join us in weekly conversations with performing artists across stages, studios, rinks, fields, and screens. Every conversation, a chance to dive deep into the story of their becoming. All right, Shelby, let's get on into it. This episode's conversation features our guest, Madison Kiesler, a soloist dancer with San Francisco Ballet, actor, creator, and entrepreneur. She's a true artist becoming. Here we go. And we are going to have the greatest pleasure of welcoming you, Madison Kiesler, to Artist Becoming. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. Um, it's been forever since I've seen you in person, and we, we all have fun intertwining histories, which um, maybe we can speak to a bit today. But we are in week three of the workshop, which is looking at expansion. So we've had everyone kind of go back to their beginning, kind of navigate through their process, and then we're stepping in now into um, our worth. And to me, I've known you since I was 14. Ah, long time. <laughs> we're a little bit older now. Um, <laughs> and to me, you have always just embodied this sense of just otherworldly artistry, like this just old soulness that comes through way, it speaks way beyond your, you know, exquisite technique. Um, and I've watched you navigate your career in a way that just feels so consistently aligned with where you are and where you want to be. And it's, it's inspired you and provoked you to make some really big decisions to make some, some perhaps risky decisions and, and hop around. And I would just love to you, I'd love to ask you to kind of just speak to your evolution um, as a, as a human, as an artist, and through that process of making hard choices to continue owning your worth and continue leaning into your value and what you can contribute to a company. Oh, well, first of all, thank you. That's quite an introduction and really sweet of you to say. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been quite a journey. It's been quite a journey. Um, I feel like, you know, why not? I'm going to start with this. Uh, my, my main truth, uh, which I've recently started talking about more publicly, um, and I'm excited about talking about it more publicly, is that when I was 17, I was diagnosed with clinical depression. So that's something that now I'm, as of like 24, I've found uh, the right medication and systems and things that work for me, but I will say I can't help but look through my trajectory of my career and not mention that because I think a lot of my big jumps, I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have done Or I maybe would have done them a little differently. Um, And not to say that I regret it because each each time taught me a lot. Um, But it's just interesting to see how important the mind is. And, you know, it shapes our reality. So, yeah, start with a little a little heavy there, but happier to report that. Yeah, I love life and I'm in a very good place now. Wow. Um, Yeah. Wow. It's so fascinating. Like, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, because I think it's been a theme with each guest we've had. Really? These really um, expansive women so far. Like, we have some men, male guests coming, but we've talked to three really admired ballerinas who, right out the gate, just spoke to their dark, the darkness and were owning it. And it sort of, what it reflects to me is this, like, probably the more you leaned in and accepted that, the freer your artistry or your acceptance became, right, Shelby? Like, yeah, Devin spoke to that. Lauren spoke yeah. to that. And I, I guess it, it leads me to a question that I, I mean, when me and Shelby were talking um, and I was thinking about you, I was like, Madison was always 
because we danced together for whoever knows at the school at San Francisco Valley School and you were uh, always ahead of me like I looked up to you and I I looked up to you because I felt similarity in that you were very a dramatic artist like you pulled from this certain well that that lent you to these more dramatic roles and so the question that I wanted to ask was where, where is that when you're pulling, like, what is that well that you pulled from that you've navigated at these different companies? And that's been, I think, a niche of yours, like a, a signature of yours as an artist. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Even when I was young, um, I always felt a pull to the more dramatic roles. I remember being maybe eight in a jazz class and getting to show the plies it's to a Tony Braxton song and just because I was so into these plies and it's like a part of me thinks you know where I don't know where that comes from um past lives other experiences genetics whatever it might be um and then as I've come to understand kind of my brain a bit more and the different things I think I always have had a lot of empathy and a lot of feelings that I didn't always know how to process. And so having that release through dancing was everything for me. I, I don't know what I would have done otherwise. And even in the moments when I, it was more of a subconscious thing that I needed that release to be able to dive into a character and express these things that I was feeling, but didn't know how to say. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of our art form is that we have that opportunity. Um, so I, yeah, I think as I've learned about myself, as I've gotten older, I turned 30 this year, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fun up here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Which I love. Um, I, I feel like I'm able to pull on that even more um, because I'm very conscious of the things that, have hurt me or the things I felt as well as all the strength I've gained from those moments. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but. <laughs> it does. And you know, it, what it speaks to is this unlocking and a, a permission and an unlocking and a perspective switch that happens when you can put language to a feeling. Um, and I think that what's so fascinating about you, you attributing the depth of your artistry to, to that or a part of it to that is that, um, ballet as as an art form is so constrained by technique it's it's like one of the more most rigid yeah. art forms and so you know I, I always find that the dancers that I feel so attracted to almost like on a visceral level to their art to their way of telling a story is the people that kind of are they transcend that that rigidity of technique that confinement of of position um and there's really no other explanation of how they do that besides just literally like wearing their heart on every pore of their body. And, you know, I have a vivid memory of a summer intensive we did in San Francisco and Shannon had you do like do a bore across the studio. And I was like, what? <laughs> how is she doing that? <laughs> Shannon was not asking me to demonstrate. <laughs> Me neither. I was like, I remember looking like, I was like, maybe it's her eyelashes. Like, what is it about this creature? She's, yeah. she's just an embodied heart of a human. And, you know, and I know that as you led with, like that has, that has, it's almost a velvet handcuff in a way, you know, because it means that you can, you can go so high because you can reach so low. And so it's like, you know, this act, like dance for lack of better words of, of having to know how to navigate those sides of yourself. And, within the confinement and rigidity of dance as an industry and ballet specifically. And um, I, I just find that extraordinary about you. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's so important for everyone to know we all have different struggles, you know, and, and especially in our world today of social media and different things, it can be really easy to just think, oh, everyone's got it together except me. So yeah. I think that's why you know, I didn't necessarily come on here planning, like, I'm going to say this first thing, but that was my honest answer to the question. So it's, and it's important to realize that, you know, just because you're struggling in whatever way you're struggling, 
you can overcome it and you're not alone and you can find healthy ways to cope and to grow. And I was just really fortunate that I had dance in my life um, and really fortunate that I was able to go to Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet because we did so much that I was able to kind of have a better handle on the technique. And something that always comes to my mind is uh, something that John Newmeyer used to say all the time, which is technique is the tool to be able to express on stage. I think a lot of times today, people think technique is the goal. You know, we have to have the pirouettes, we have to have the high legs, we have to have, and really that's not the ultimate goal. You wanna have that solid base of the technique so that you can then transcend that and say whatever you wanna say or show whatever you wanna show without having to think about, okay, I need to hold my stomach or how high can my, you know? And so I've always had that, um, tried to keep that mentality because it's easy to get very frustrated with, look at these people on Instagram doing these crazy things. But then I have to come back to myself and say, but is that what I like to watch? And it's most of the time it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have like a follow-up question to, to when you, I didn't ask the right, I asked a good question, but the, <laughs> the better question is as you navigated these changes and you speak to like the depression being this like kind of key factor, what was it in that, 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 that you think was the catapult for those changes? For the moving to different yeah. companies? Yeah. What do you think that informed and how, how did you overcome that? And, and what did that winding road teach you, I guess, is the question. Yeah. I, I think I was always unsettled a bit and I just couldn't figure out why. And it didn't matter I, I, you know, I mean, so I first started experiencing some major symptoms right before I went to Germany. And then, you know, you just kind of brush it off of like, okay, it's a big move. Obviously I'm going to be stressed, but it was pretty extreme. And then when I went to Germany being 17, of course, everyone's like, no, you're just adjusting. You're fine. But I wasn't fine. Um, and so even then though in my head, I was like, okay, yes, let's find, there must be some other reason that's external that I can change this external thing and then I'll feel better. So that at that time it was, okay, I just need to be home and I need to be closer to my mom and we'll figure out from there. And then in San Francisco, I was then in San Francisco for four years and was fine-ish, was coping, was thinking that waking up and crying every other day was normal <laughs> or having to take, you know, an hour of trying to meditate just to like calm down or, and you, you just say, Oh, you're just being dramatic. Like just get over it. All of these things that society kind of puts onto people who are struggling with mental health issues. Um, so then after that, there was a period where I was like, you know, I still don't, something's not right. Maybe I'm not supposed to be a dancer. And so I blamed it on that. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. Maybe I'm going to go be an actor in LA. And da, da, da. a friend of mine at the time convinced me, no, you love dance. So at least give it a try at another company. And I was like, oh, you're right. If anything, I love it too much and I can't let it go. Um, so then I tried in another company and just like in Hamburg, in Hamburg, I was super lucky learning great parts. Everything was great. Yet I still felt bad. And then I thought, okay, years later here, I'm moving to London. Everything's great. I loved working for Tamara, especially when I first got there. I'm getting to learn exciting things, yet I feel horrible. Wow. And it wasn't until that moment where I'm like, okay, I can't keep running and focusing on exterior things, thinking it's going to fix the way I'm feeling. You know, I mean, there's pictures of me where I would like pass out underneath. I'm so sorry, we're going to make this quiet <laughs> pictures of me where I was sleeping underneath my uh, dressing room table just because of that exhaustion that depression exhaustion and, and you know things at the time people are like oh the new girl just sleeps all the time or whatever but I had to really sit with myself and I will say one of the main reasons I started looking for medication and for better therapies 
therapist is because Tamara had brought in a, um, a psychologist who used to dance. And so that individual was there and for free, we could go see her anytime we wanted. And so I had been seeing her for a while and she at some point said, you know, I, I think this is a chemical imbalance. Okay. And it wasn't the first time I'd heard that. <laughs> so yeah. she was like, you know, I think you're doing a lot of the right things in practices to help yourself. I think you should talk to a doctor. And within one week of taking a medication, I was shocked. I was blown away. I couldn't believe that this is how the majority of people wake up, that they just wake up. Wow. You know, you, when you've, it's like if you're, you've never worn glasses and everything you see is blurry, you just assume that that's what the life looks like. Yeah. Um, so after, so I think, you know, the, the long winded answer to your question is I think I was looking for things to fix whatever I was feeling that I couldn't articulate very well. And so I did that by just jumping ship. Yeah sooner or in a, and I always did it well, I will say, I'll, I'll give myself that. I never burned any bridges. I was always very respectful and grateful, but I just knew something was off and I was going to blame that exterior thing. So I think that's how it kind of dictated my career. Well, there are, yeah. that was a gold mine of lessons um, <laughs> and hard learned lessons, by the way. Yeah. Um, wow. It just makes me think about how how as artists, we're just perpetually impatient, right? We're always going after that goal. And, and a few things that you said brought that up for me, which is that um, I, I actually heard recently, goals are wishes and standards hold us accountable. And it sounds like your journey has been this evolution of really defining standards for yourself of like, okay, you know, this isn't working for me. Let's try something else. Okay, this, this moving isn't really solving the issue and the issue might not be external. And then having to sit with the, the sick and, and understanding like, this it might be something internal and, and seeking out the help and you know in my experience I'm five years out of the dance world now but like signing up to see the nutritionist or the sports psychologist if there even was one very stigmatized you know right. often the list was public it was right there on the wall for everyone to see which that in of itself is backwards yeah. um and now I think that there's a shift happening culturally where it is more normal normal to, to have these discussions because it's so much a matter of permission and, and why experience these things in isolation? You know, why should you wake up thinking that that feels normal, you know, or right. that coping or that you're fine because you're coping? Like since when yeah. does, is coping mean that you're fine, you know? Um, but so much of it is just this kind of like navigating and the artist's road in and of itself is already forlorn. Like it's a lonely road to the top um, yeah. and, and it doesn't need to be. And so I think people like you who are modeling this type of vulnerability, like the self-awareness that you have to say, look back and understand why you made those big shifts, like really acknowledge like the truth in that and then be willing to speak so articulately um, and vulnerably to that. I think those, these are the kinds of conversations that I think are major game changers for the industry. I'm, if I don't say so myself, but <laughs> nothing to do with like us, but like the, this is the movement, I think. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. And I agree. And I'm, I'm really happy that, you know, people such as yourselves are creating platforms where we can talk openly and honestly and share those messages with people. I have a question about that, um, about Madison, your experience, because Shelby and I now we are in companies, um, most dancers or Broadway actors in, in the shows I've been in, in the ballet companies I've been in on the daily, there is a heaviness, like there's a certain heaviness and then it can drip deeper when there's something underlying that's then equally good. So I can't imagine when you're already carrying the heaviness of a hard career and on top of that, there's something that needs like prescription and it, it needs mm -hmm. further work, um, how much that is to carry in already a hard environment. But what I'm curious of is, do you feel like with your peers right now or in companies or even with people in other companies that you're close to, do you feel like there's a, any sense of a camaraderie in that pain 
Or is there a little bit of a like, we know we're all do going through this, but let's not talk about it? Like, does it feel like, what does exactly. that feel like? Like that dynamic, as, from your experience, did it feel isolating? Did you feel like there was empathy there? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, and I think it's interesting because we also, we all start, most of us, well, no, we all start this career so young you know, and you're still discovering yourself. You're trying to understand what's normal boundaries. How do you act in a workplace, let alone a ballet company, the hierarchies, the living in your first apartment, having a roommate. Like there's so many different like life elements um, to kind of tackle. And I've, I've realized that the more open I've been able to be, the more open other people <clears throat> have been, been able to be. Yeah. And so that's also why I feel, I mean, maybe it sounds a little silly, but like a calling to be super open about what I'm experiencing because I, I think there is a bit of a, there is definitely a culture of smile and nod, don't complain in the ballet world. We're just trained it, whether we're literally told that or subconsciously, you know, we see that that's how you act speaking up and expressing yourself is just not a normal thing. So I've been really lucky to have great friends that I've always been able to confide in, you know, but I say that, but in my earlier years, when I still was trying to figure out what was going on, I, I didn't really, actually. I was lucky that I had my mom, who she also has um, dealt with different mental health things in our family. So she was always the person in my life who I was able to go to who fully understood. You know, it, I wouldn't get the act reaction of, you just need to get out of bed. Just go. You're fine. Yeah, Don't yeah. think about it. Yeah. Um, which I think a lot of people, unfortunately, do get that reaction. So I think it's getting better. I think the dance community wants to get better. And I think this past year will shape things a lot. I already feel that by giving people, you know, the silver lining of this difficult year is that we've had time. And with San Francisco Ballet, we've been so fortunate that the company has been able to um, almost completely normally uh, support us financially. We've had our almost our full paycheck, which is phenomenal. So we've been given space to be in a way that has I've never had an entire year of not having to think about what the next rep is and the casting and the rehearsals and the, all of that. And I feel a different energy in the studios. I think people feel a bit more at ease with themselves. Yeah. And it will be interesting to see how that correlates with company life. I, there's a, a lot of resistance now when things start going back to the old ways of whether that's miscommunications and things. And I know a lot of dancers are just ready to step away from that company life now because they've experienced some freedom, yeah. Yeah. which you guys know about. <laughs> a bit. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. I think there's a lot of room still to grow, but I have hope that it's getting better. And I have hope also through a lot of the, um, the DE and I work that we've been doing and we've had more meetings and more forums where communication has been normalized in a way that it has never before. So that's been hopeful as well. And I'm also hopeful that new directors are coming in in a lot of companies, younger directors. And I'm curious yeah. to see how that shapes things. Big time, big time. I, I'm gonna ask you because you're obviously, I've like stayed in touch with your life. I know everything about you because of Instagram, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but similar to me, you're like, your bookshelves are always full and they're often full of incredible works, many of which I, I'm like, oh, just read that, love that one. But a lot of it is self-help or leadership psychology, positive psych, like um, you're, you're an arts activist. You're so, you're so multidimensional. And I'm curious of how, like your pursuit of educating yourself in these ways, like this is not something that, these aren't common conversations being had in the ballet studio. Um, it, 
issues of, of leadership psychology. And I know that for me, like I started going to school when I was at Boston Ballet for leadership psych and organizational psych. And what I was reading was not ref being reflected in my experience of being led. And that was like a very pivotal point for me in terms of, I was like, oh, well, if I'm not trusting this experience then why am I sitting in it? So I'd love to know how your, your kind of self-motivated education around these things um, have translated either into your perspective of your leaders and, or if that's not too kosher of a subject, um, how they've shown up for you to advocate for yourself. Yeah. I think it's been interesting that I've been able to, so I've worked for three different directors. So John Newmeyer, Tamara Rojo, and um, Helgi Thomason. And all three of them are very different things. Um, they have different strengths and weaknesses. And it's, it's interesting because the direct artistic directors are mostly just dancers that then jump into the role and do their best. Um, you know, with uh, John and Helgi, they both have had years of experience. So I feel that in how they handle certain things, but both positively and negatively, maybe, because there's also a different shifting culture that sometimes might be difficult for them to understand whether that's something like technology or having a psychologist on staff. You know, it could range of what that means because their normal as they grew up was so different from what right. our normal is now. Um, and then with working with Tamara, I was, I joined in her second year. So she is still dancing and was still dancing then. And, um, was very green in the role, but she had taken some business courses and different things. So she, yeah, it's it's very fascinating to kind of compare and contrast. Um, I think in general, it would be beneficial to have more training for ballet masters, for um, new artistic directors or current artistic directors in all sorts of fields. Mm -hmm. um, and if, if not that, at least know their weaknesses so they can then fill it with people who complement yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but working through everyone, the other thing that that has given me is actually a desire to be an artistic director. So that's something that I, yeah, always have in the back of my head, which I didn't really realize until I saw a woman in the role, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. I never thought about it. Because I just thought, oh, I probably won't stick around ballet. Like, I wouldn't be a good ballet master. I'm like, I don't know. The count's on three. It's on eight. Do whatever you want. Yeah, I wouldn't be a good ballet master. Um, and teacher, you know, if nothing really called to me. But when I thought about artistic director, I was like, I actually really enjoyed talking to donors and the fundraising aspect I found find fascinating. I mean, more than anything else, I like taking care of people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the best moments of different artistic directors that I've experienced, it's the moments when they're taking care of their dancers, you know, yeah. with their full heart and soul and not worried about anything else. Um, yeah. So all sorts of interesting things from looking at our leaders. Big time, big time. You speak to this like psychological term of um, modeling and um, if we don't see something modeled, then it's out of sight, out of mind. It didn't occur to you to be an artist director because they're all met, you know, that's, and it's just, it's, it's not like, it's just information. And it's not until it's brought to our attention that we realize that something is possible or something is missing or something is not kosher or not right. And, um, yeah. and so much of it is a matter of exposure modeling and, and educating yourself around that. And I think that you know, in your own way, you are, you're a, a young star and you're doing those, you're doing that kind of a work, which was a huge pull for us to bring you in and share your story and your lessons with, um, with our audience here, because the people that have come, it's kind of like, like attracts like, you know, and, um, it doesn't surprise me at all that we've all remained connected and found reason to, to reconnect at all. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. That's it was so interesting because before you even said, oh, I would 
I can see myself like wanting to be an artistic director. The way you were discussing it was kind of evident. I was like, oh, she's going to be an artistic director. <laughs> and it was super cool. And the question, because the question I was going to ask as you were saying that, because I realized like, oh, that is a tricky question. Yeah. But the, the question I was going to ask was, what is the quality of an empowered, embodied leader that you would like to see, which would be, yourself if you were to be an artistic director so what do you think you would bring as an artistic director that is inherent to who you are you know what would that quality be I mean I think the two words that come to my head uh, first are empathy and honesty I Mm -hmm. always have kind of appreciated I'd rather hear the hardest truth than a lie. And that doesn't mean it needs to be from a bad place or done in a a mean spirited way. But I think a difficult part of being a leader is um, being honest so that, you know, whether that's this employee isn't working or whether that they need to work on this or asking questions. um, I think I'd be able to step back and look at each individual as a human. And I think that's something that a lot of times is missed when we're running around trying to get things on stage. People just become machines, and whether that's the staff working in marketing or that's the dancer um, standing in Swan Lake for however many hours. Um, We are humans and the beautiful thing about our art form is it's created by artists and humans to be expressed to other artists and humans. And that's a a really organic and beautiful thing. So I think it's always kind of remembering that, that main purpose of figuring out why we're doing what we're doing. And I think it can, I've always viewed and hoped that the theater can become a kind of church of certain ways where people can come and maybe experience something beautiful, otherworldly. Maybe that's a sleeping beauty where you're looking at a fairy tale, or maybe it can be looking at a political statement of a recent work that's talking about something really important that's making you view something in a different way that you've never thought of before. And you're also in a community. And so often today we're missing that community aspect. And the theater really could be a place that's open to everyone. And of course, that means readjusting revenue models and looking at all sorts of different aspects of how can we be involved in the community we're in and not only for the people who can pay the highest ticket prices. So, yeah, there's a lot of different aspects. Um, But yeah, honesty and empathy and, you know, moving forward with a caring, loving heart would be my goal. (laughs) You're hired. I hire you in a minute. <laughs> I'd work for you in a minute. <laughs> yes. For the audition, we're like, <laughs> I'm there. Buns, buns up, buns up. Thank um, you. But something wow. that you that you just spoke to is, is authenticity. Like honesty is is authenticity and who you are and knowing your strengths and knowing your weaknesses and knowing how to delegate for to you know to suffice for what your weaknesses might be. And that's something that you know, when we were thinking of what does it mean to feel expansive as a person, as an artist, and so much of it is, it's being honest with yourself to define and embody your own authenticity. And those are terms that are thrown around like, okay, what does that even mean being like, you know, and also we're artists. So we're performative, and we're acting a lot of the time. And it's hard to um, kind of transcend that, like, that translation of a story and being like, this is this is my truth here, whether I'm like, you know, Aurora's friend, or I'm a swan, or I am a silver right. snowflake, whatever, you know, you name it. And so I think that those, I think that you've been training your entire career to step into a leadership role that, that necessitates those two quality traits specifically, actually, which is, um, which is pretty awesome. You can just cross those two off your list. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, the more, I mean, I remember the first time it popped into my head, you know, years ago now, I was like, oh, it just felt like that makes sense. I could see that. And it stayed that way. Um, Yeah, to bring back the humanity of what we do on every level just sounds really important. 
Oh, I was going to say that you, um, part of that human element is, is discerning between who you are as a dancer and who you are as a human person. And so we talk about that a lot, this kind of like identity crisis that, um, artists have an affinity towards, um, because we start when we're children and the identity of being a dancer, a ballerina, Broadway star, you know, what have you, it's become so interwoven with who we are. And so this past year has taken away that element for performing artists. And we have found and what was quite a big inspiration for us to create something like this was um, helping ourselves and hopefully other people to spend time with who they are, who their identities are as, as themselves and how that contributes and feeds and nourishes their identity as an artist. But working on that almost like unweaving a little bit, um, and I know that you've dabbled with, you know, you play guitar, you're a beautiful singer, you've done acting. How, like, were those things that just kind of came from a yearning to just follow a curiosity or in like on the other way around, how have those kind of dabblings um, come back to, to feed you as an artist in the studio? I've always felt that it's important to expand past just the studio. Um, because, you know, it comes back to I want to be an honest uh, artist telling things that I've experienced or gone through or, um, yeah, the types of artists that I enjoy following were humans. So mm. a part of that is experiencing other things. So I try to, yeah, if I'm interested in something, uh, to give it a shot. And uh, someone who's you know, become my closest friend over the past years, um, Benjamin Fremantle, he's really shown me a lot in terms of just, just going for things. I think there's this, you know, trying to be perfect aspect that a lot of us struggle with as dancers, no matter what we're doing, whether it's a tondu at a bar or doing something else, it's like, no, it needs to be perfect. Or I need to know everything before I start. And, um, he has this beautiful free spirit of just going for it, (laughs) figuring it out along the way, trusting that you know enough to get started, which I love. Trusting that you know enough to get started because so often that just jumping in is the scariest part. And once you're in the water, you can kind of paddle and keep swimming and figure it out. (laughs) So I've been trying to take that approach um, throughout this past year of thinking, okay, I have time. I have the incredible fortune to be in a okay place financially throughout all of this. How can I utilize this time that's not uh, stressing out about ballet because the ballet career wasn't going to be what I want it to be right now. I wasn't going to be in the studio. I wasn't going to be on the stage. I wasn't going to be able to try and plan to think of what casting I might want. None of that. So I had to let that go, which was hard and took a couple months And then I thought, okay, how can I utilize this time? I'm going to feel like I've wasted it if I've just stressed out about only ballet. So yeah, I tried to, I've been jumping into acting a lot lately and decided to just sign up for the website called Backstage and just submitting self-tapes. I've taken um, some acting classes in the past and I thought about, oh, I should probably like start taking acting classes or maybe I can look at different programs. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of the beauty that I don't know much about this industry or this yeah. career and, and just kind of use that to my advantage of saying, I feel confident enough to look, have some techniques of learning lines or playing this, but it's really freeing to do something that you're not a master at, that you haven't spent over 10,000 hours. And it gives me this kind of release of um, pressure that I really need. So I think that's one of the main things that I love about you know, trying out the different things, taking voice lessons and just seeing. And I always say luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And I have no idea what the future is holding. So I'm just going to prepare for lots of different things. And when the opportunity opportunity comes, I'm ready. She's ready. She is well-informed. Love it. Yeah. So much what we hope to give inside of this is that I think a lot of, a lot of dancers, Um, are afraid to allow exactly what you spoke to. There's like a fear of even allowing, will I lose this thing I've 
clung so tightly to if I sort yeah. of seep into this other thing just because and I don't mm -hmm. have a reason right now but I'm called to it and it's no that's just adding soil like you're just giving more to yourself and um and it's true that in my experience like those things that I got some little heart ping to try you do kind of succeed it there's an energy that mm -hmm. happens there because you're so you're not gripping it and yeah. people other people feel that energy and so it is that beginner's luck thing I don't you know, beginner's luck isn't beginner's luck. It's an energy of you're in a very flow state. You're released. You're not gripping it. You're gri mm -hmm. you're too busy gripping something else, and things yes. just kind of pop up there, and you have this freedom within this other thing. And so, I I really want, I really hope that the dancers watching this or listening to this or someone out there hears this and it gives them the spark to be like, okay, yeah, I do kind of want to play the harmonica I don't know yeah whatever it might be yeah and we have we have so many pressures to you know have everything make sense or be the right choice and life's it, life's too short you know you can always start something and then stop if you don't feel right but if you if you enjoy jumping in then do it and and you know especially ballet dancers we think we have to have every single waking moment go towards ballet and the training and everything is important and it does take a lot of time and a lot of energy and work but it doesn't mean you're going to be less of a dancer it actually might mean you'll be more of a dancer slash artist if you give yourself permission to try new things and experience other ways I love and love it I subscribe <laughs> subscribe to that <laughs> Jess, you reminded me of something I read, which is, um, you know how ideas often strike us in the shower. Um, and it's because you can do no other thing, but stand there in the shower. And like, you're not used, you know, you're just literally underwater. And it's usually uh, often the first time in people's day when they've kind of turned off, you know, and it's just kind of, you go into this auto thing and all of a sudden, like the idea, the idea passes through. Um, and I think that artists, we're so obsessed with our craft and the way to do it and the technique behind it and the training that you need to do to qualify for this and for this and this. It's just, there's so much, there's so much gripping in that experience and, and in that journey. Um, and it's something that for me, I didn't even realize how hard um, until I started yoga. And, and this is not going to be a yoga commercial, but, um, <laughs> but there's this, there's this beautiful Sanskrit term, aparigraha, and it means non-gripping. It's like part, it's, it's a yogic, like ethic philosophy. Just yeah. like, oh. But it's just like you hold, we can hold things with palms up and they're going to come and they're going to go. And it sucks really bad oh, when you're gripping, so, because if you're gripping and it goes, it's because it was torn out of your hands, out of your fists. Right. Whereas like, palms open like there's space there's space for things to come there's space for things to go and it's it's so beautiful and poetic in practice it's really hard it's really effing hard and, and sometimes painful um but it's it's profound and powerful um you reminded me Madison of the time the first time I decided I was called to audition for a Broadway show and it was American in Paris and I went in with no music, like school, musical score for the pianist, didn't know I needed one, like l had just memorized my lyrics to the song on the subway rides to the studio. And I get there and they like point to the pianist for me to like give him my music. And I was just like, you know, I'm going to be singing acapella for y'all, but thank you so much for being here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Needless to say, girls, I did not book it. Unfortunately, their loss. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But I walked out of there with this sense of freedom, pride, and like full on like humility at my own audacity that I would have the nerve to do something like that. Because if it were a ballet audition, believe you me, like, no, I would not have had, it would not have had the courage or whatever you want to call that. Yeah. There's freedom yeah. in that just kind of going diving in blind. And I love what you said. Can you repeat what you said? It was like what your friend Benjamin taught you, like, knowing that you would know enough to start. I just want to like, yeah, some, I mean, something about trusting that, you know, enough to begin or to jump to in. Yeah. Just to get started. Um, just trusting that 
you're, you're enough to start, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, but I love what you said about this, this gripping and, and having that image is so, so accurate. Cause I think that's, it's always when I've struggled the most with my dance career is when I've been trying to make everything go exactly where I want it to go. Right. And life doesn't work like that. And, yeah. and yeah, I've, I've actually recently started <clears throat> a practice of starting my morning with at least five minutes, hopefully 15-ish of just sitting uh, thinking about gratitude. And sometimes I'm consciously thinking I am grateful for this, that, but also just meditation and breathing and allowing myself to have that space has been so nice. And it's so important. And the things that then do come into your mind when you have that calm is amazing. I, you know, I always have make sure I have a little notebook next to me just in case I'm like, oh, I need to write that down for later, you know, and I don't try and fight that because I think that's part of the gift of just the shower or the moments of breathing. And especially in today's world, when we're constantly having information, you know, jump into our faces and into our consciousness. Yeah. Having those moments to learn, to kind of listen to the universe a little bit. It's really important. Love that. What we're all the tribal understanding is like this ballet version of us that's taught to grip and grip these muscles and grip this thing and grip this thing and how life happens in that let go. And I'm just thinking about this is so silly, but I think as dancers, there's a lot of things that we we don't experience because we're dancing. And so Mm -hmm. you almost start to have all these firsts when you later in life, like even Mm -hmm. if you're still dancing, like maybe for me, it was, I couldn't ride a bike. Like I, I I couldn't (laughs) ride a bike. (laughs) But this is really funny. There's like a lot of bike bikers here in San Francisco, as you know, and I live in and all these guys, they come down on their bikes and I couldn't bike. And I was you know, out on the dating scene. And there was a guy who he, I think he had a bike or something. And I was telling him like, well, I, I can't ride a bike. And I was like, and I went to do this and he's like, yeah, you grip. And I started to go, like, I just literally started to move my body. He's like, yeah, you grip, you're gripping. Like life is just about letting go. And I was like, You're like, you like, serve oh. your purpose. You can carry on. I got like, what I needed here. Just explosions. Yeah. Was this understanding of, you know, in our craft, in our art form, we are meticulous about all this. But A, like we need to practice. I mean, we, just as much as we practice the technique, we have to practice the letting go. And mm-hmm. it's different for everyone. Shelby found it through yoga. I found it through meditation and through just like wiggling my body to like music. You Love know, it. all yeah. have our version of what does let go feel like? Mm-hmm. And then how can we bring that inside the studio onto the stage and in our just how we show up for the world? Yeah. Ooh, Absolutely. I'm going to let go. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, I, I think this past year, it's been this like almost require it's it's been a requirement of everybody there's no FOMO because there's nothing to that you're missing out on and it's just been this kind of like globally induced practice of the let go and you know for some people that has been profound you know profound amounts of grieving and other people it's grieving can take a lot of different forms and we we spoke about this with Devin where she was like I felt silly to grieve that I wasn't dancing when people are grieving real things and it's like well that is a real thing it's you know, there's, there's so much kind of context that can be lent around um, literally just permitting ourselves to feel our feelings and then to find ways of knowing how to navigate that, like metabolizing them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and whether it's just spending 10 to 15, committing 10 to 15 minutes of your time to yourself, like paying attention to yourself, um, which is a practice in this day and age, that there, that can just go so much further than, than we ever imagined, which you just kind of spoke to. And, you know, I think what we found so much of the feedback we're getting from this community of artists within artists becoming is um, not only that the practices, because we're all obsessed with like taking class. So it's like, yes, like I can do this and feel good about it and cross it off. But it's, it's so much more about the, the community of it and knowing that I'm not alone in needing a resource like this. You know, I'm not alone in 
finding complete resonance with that conversation um, from someone who's a star, from someone who I idolize or who I see as an artistic mentor to, to bear her wounds, you know, mm-hmm. or to sit with her weaknesses in a way that feels very embodied with the potential of so much empowerment. I think that's just like, oof. Absolutely. That's a great one. Yeah, chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Yeah. <laughs> well, Madison, what's next for you, love? What is the season ahead? Like, what are you, what's, what's lighting you up right now? Besides your beautiful face, just my screen. My screen's lit up by you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, luckily, all the dancers from San Francisco Ballet were given a contract for the following year, which is phenomenal. Like, hats off to... Wow the team um you know it's been some difficult times and I know a lot of the administration staff had to be let let go at least temporarily but the way that they've cared for the dancers I'm so grateful for so I don't know if it's announced yet I think but they are hoping to try and do live performances sometime in the next year our normal like season would be January through um, May so that gives us a little bit of time to hopefully figure out vaccines are rolling out quickly in California, which is really hopeful. I was able to get my first shot uh, recently. Um, so yeah, so it's seeming like, okay, the ballet career is like slowly coming back. <laughs> I'm, I'm allowing myself to, you know, get reacquainted with that idea, which is a whole other thing. Um, but I'm also really excited to just continue to have these moments of quiet and allow myself to just be and take the lessons that I've been learning from this whole past year of how important it is to listen to myself. And if I need to go to bed early or if I need to have a meditation hour or if I need to, you know, whatever it is, or if I need to see friends or um, I want to continue that even through a busy schedule um and also to just continue to push myself I want to continue to um send out auditions for film and television and see what happens um continue my voice lessons and um just continue to grow and expand in whatever way feels right in that moment you're becoming becoming (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely Wow, Madison, you have spoken to like all the whole, everything that we are doing inside of this. You've just, every theme, you've, you're, you're living it, you're being it and moving through it and just so grateful that you shared your voice with us. So, so insightful, so inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm just so glad that you guys are, you have this platform because that needs to be more accessible and you're, you're making it that, that there are places where we can talk and share and experience together and realize we're not alone. And that's really important these days. Yeah. Yeah. To, to the next we're, we're, we're all going places and it's looking like it's up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we wish you a beautiful, slow, integrative um, return back to the studios and stages. I know the San Francisco audiences are hungry for your talent. Um, and we just thank you so much for your time. You are a gift. Yeah. Ever since, ever since we were little, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. A little baby ballerinas of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, have a beautiful, beautiful day. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Bye, love. <laughs>